Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Your Vinjarovsky show for Friday, January 17th. It's just moments away. It is the 17th, right? Okay, great. Let me Hold go. on. Yes. <laughs> it's just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. They sponsor this program. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you to those unions for jumping on board, sponsoring this show. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our dear friends, dear friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Ben, let's hear that song of the day. Tighten up. Tighten up. What? Archie Bell and Durrell's from Houston, Texas. We got a new song called the Tighten Up. 1968 D, long before you or Miles were born. (laughs) The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Friday, January 17th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Ben, throw your bagel wrapper away. Today on the program, it's another Romana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Romana Hussein. Political strategist Candace Castillo returns. And also making his return, it's our new city council correspondent, the one, the only, Mr. Bike David Gloatz. And now your host, lover of bagels, Chicago Raider <laughs> columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this When You're Right, You're Right. And You're Right. Friday. And here's why. That's correct. By the way, where's that quote from? Do you know? When You're Right, You're Right. Chinatown. I know it's Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Nicholson. Curly, When You're Right, You're Right. Now, quit. Leave the Levelier blinds alone. Anyway, long story at the beginning of Chinatown. Ugh. All right, folks, I'm going to have to acknowledge a couple things. One is harder than the other. One is actually easy to acknowledge. Uh, Facebook, a friend of mine, Babs, uh, his comment on Facebook that he left me, it's easy to acknowledge he's right because he's right. He's really right. We'll get to that first. First one's a little harder. Never thought I would say this. Um, I agree with a planning department chief. <laughs> yes. Never thought I'd hear this. Words come out of my mouth. In this very studio, was it yesterday? Uh, Maurice Cox, the new planning chief for the city of Chicago, yes. was in the studio. Yeah, Franz Spielman show. Franz Spielman show, and uh, Franz Spielman and David Roeder uh, were grilling him, and they got into a discussion of big plans. Now, let me just say this as a way of introduction. More often than not, I have been on the opposite side of virtually every development proposal that a planning chief in the city of Chicago has come with down with since the year Mayor Daley was first uh, elected. And that would be baby Daley, Daley too. So we're talking 1989. Can't help it, folks. They like to take your property tax dollars and spend its underwriting deals that probably don't need your property tax dollars in the first place. 
thus enriching, enriching their friends, their cronies, their pals, and raising everybody else's taxes. Oh, so, bastards. Yeah, that's kind of how things have gone, folks, for the last 30 years. You call it progress and economic development. Both newspapers are in favor, and I'm the one guy in the city of Chicago. No, don't do it. Anyway, uh, yesterday uh, in this studio, as I said, Maurice Cox, I have not had an opportunity to listen to the interview, but today's bright one, home delivered as always, uh, has a story uh, sort of summarizing uh, what Maurice Cox said, and he closes by saying this. He was asked uh, uh, whether he um, was in favor of big projects like the one central project that would call calls for decking over railroad tracks west of Soldier Field to make way for a wall of high rises built on Transportation Center. Oh my God, I've been I remember railing and railing about that one, D. Uh, and about the visionary plan to put a cap over the Kennedy Expressway to create more parkland. Cox called both proposals big audacious projects that are easier more e- that are easier proposed than done. Quote, you start talking about billion dollar tiffs. Could you imagine what we could do with a billion dollars in the south side just doing 100 little projects? I'm interested in unleashing hundreds of little development projects that incrementally build those neighborhoods one lot at a time. Our first obligation is to stop the exodus out of Chicago because Chicago needs a strong black middle class. That means we have to pay attention to the neighborhoods where they live. If we tackle this in a comprehensive way instead of a scattershot way, we can stop the bleeding. I hear, hear, heartily agree. I can't believe this. This sounds like a column I wrote. I mean, I should probably shouldn't say this because knowing the city of Chicago, he's getting called in an office right now by someone. Uh, uh, Mr. Cox, you're uh, a little too radical. You're a little too lefty. Uh, sign on to these big projects because that's how things go in Chicago. But that's what I've been saying for years, folks. Instead of throwing all our TIF dollars, all our property tax dollars to underwrite developments in already developing neighborhoods, why don't we use them to bolster the neighborhoods that really need a help? You know, and just uh, to hear a planning chief say he's concerned about the exodus of black people from the city of Chicago, I've always, I believe that the city of Chicago sort of like in their own way welcomed the exodus of black people from the city of Chicago. They certainly didn't do anything while it was happening throughout the 90s and the O's. They talked about gentrification as a great thing. And, you know, Alden Lowry was the guy who kind of blew the whistle on this. The great demographer Alden Lowry came on the show. Once, Where is Alden? We just got to bring him back, D. Get working on that. Oh, wait. All right, here I go. <laughs> you Alden don't book guests. I book guests. at gmail.com. I remember interviewing Alden Lowry about this a long time ago, and I was asking him about the exodus of black people from Chicago. And uh, I go, this is a serious concern. Why hasn't the city done anything about it? And I'm paraphrasing Alden's response, which was absolutely brilliant. He goes, well, Ben, uh, not apparently the people that run the city of Chicago don't see it as a problem. Anyway, I'm hoping that Maurice Cox uh, has some influence, that this is just not idle chatter, that uh, after I say all these things, and I may even write a column about it, they don't call him into the office and tell him to be quiet, stop talking like Ben. But uh, it's a good start. I've never heard a planning commissioner talk this way. Maybe they really will blow up that godforsaken TIF program. All right, now back to Babs. I got to give him credit. Uh, he writes on my Facebook wall uh, from time to time with little messages. Bab is an avid Ben Jarofsky show listener. He always weighs in on the Ben Jarofsky show Facebook. Page. Yeah. And I would say generally he is of the leftist persuasion. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, but 
he he really hits it on the head here in this uh, comment. I get very frustrated. We talked about this a couple times uh, this week about the debates where the um, the commentators or the questioners ask Bernie Sanders, well, how can you afford it? How can you afford your health care plan? It's going to cost billions and billions. It's just like Chicago. I always say this, you know, in the city of Chicago, when they uh, want to spend money on nurses, well, we don't have any money. That's outrageous proposal. We can't afford that. But then, of course, when they want to throw money at Amazon, hey, the sky's the limit. So it's the same thing uh, with Bernie. Bernie says, hey, I got a program that would benefit everybody in this country, healthcare for all. And the, the questioners are like, oh my God, be, be real, Bernie. How can we possibly afford that? Meanwhile, what is it, D? $738 billion with a B a year in our defense spending all. Nobody ever asks about that, right? How many billions of dollars in tax cuts did uh, the Republicans and Donnie Trump pass in 2017? But uh, no. So, but when, when- Yes, that's billion with a B. Thank you, uh, Mayor Lightfoot. So anyway, but bad points out uh i uh, i could tell you how bernie should have been re- re- reframing the health insurance uh debate for four years you have to reject the insurance industry's language because it's a three card monty what's a premium what's a deductible how much do i pay a year what affects what what affects what i pay a year after 50 years of debates people's eyes gloss over when they start hearing ins- insurance Uh, industry verbiage and they're easily led to believe the smooth corporate finance guy has their best interest in mind but from the dawn of civilization there is one word that resonates with mankind taxes bernie has to explain why uh everything in terms of taxes america pay no attention to the labels intended to deceive you a premium is a health care tax americans pay five thousand to twenty thousand a year in health care taxes and as he points out it's the same thing with uh, college education etc absolutely if you view the amount of money you pay for a necessity like health care as a tax you may have a different attitude about it. You know, everybody think they act as though sort of uh, inserted in the logic of the questions that are being framed, asked of uh, Bernie Sanders is like that the current health care is cost no money. It's free. Like they're just getting it for free. Well, it's going to cost money. How can we afford that? Well, we're all paying, already paying billions and billions of dollars for health care. comes out of our uh, inc- our salaries, out of our paychecks. CNN is very concerned about the amount of taxes people have to pay. Not so much concerned about the money they're already paying in premiums uh, and uh, for health care. So excellent point by Babs. I have to concede. Wish I had thought of it first, but... Can't think everything, right, D? Yeah, I know. All right. Life's hard. All right. It's easier to agree with Babs and other my uh, left of center uh, friends than it is to agree with the planning uh, commissioner. But I have to say one more time. I got to say it, D. Maurice Cox was right. Stop throwing away money in those big tiff ticket items and start spending in the neighborhoods where it was tended. We got a great show today, everybody. Ramana Hussein will be here. Ramana's recommendations. We're going to go through the stories today and also talk about Oscars. Um, we're all fired up. She's going to be part of our special Oscar show uh, that's coming up next week. Candace Castillo, political strategist and consultant. She's sort of a Warren supporter. It'll be interesting on her take about the debates, what went down in the debates. Also, she has some interesting uh, ideas about impeachment. That's unfolding uh, as we speak. And then uh, Dave Glowatz, Mr. Bike, ring, ring, ring. He'll come in here ringing that bell. Ring that bell. That's a song. Uh, and, uh, Thank you. I was uh, he will, wondering. He will be uh, breaking down uh, the uh, city council meeting on Wednesday. It's always fun to, ha- have, uh, to do this with uh, Dave. He brings in... 
uh, his, did he send it to me yet? Yeah. Oh, he did. They did. You know what? They just bypassed me. Why bother sending it to Ben in the first place? I agree with He's that. Sending all. audio to me. Oh, I love when they send the audio. So you play the audio. We dissect the audio. Gets you get to hear Alderman in action. Get to hear uh, Mayor Lightfoot in action. Good stuff. We break it down and analyze it. Get your pa- paper and pencils out, folks. We're going to tell you what's really going on with government in the city of Chicago. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton. Oh yeah, back home they call him Doctor Doobie with the news. Hey everyone, how's it going? <laughs> For the fourth and final time this week, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Actually, before we do that, Ben, I think all of our listeners, those who listen live and those who download, I think we'd like to hear those noises you were making at the top of the program. Can we hear the song of the day one more time? Oh, uh, uh, Archie Bell and Darrell's yeah. from Houston. To- First we got a dance in Houston called Tighten Up. <laughs> I just heard that, uh, Tighten Up. That's one of my favorite songs from the 60s. Uh, again, long before anybody in this studio was born. And I'll tell you what, who knows the tighten up? Uh, Miles Porter's father knows the tighten up, that's for sure. Uh, maybe Miles Porter's mother knows it as well. Yeah, tighten up is the 60 songs. Archie Bell and Drells. Editor Miles. Editor Miles, yes. Editor Miles. Mm-hmm. So do you want me to sing more of the tighten up? Please, no. no. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Can I just say one thing? In what? Houston, we got a new dance. And we call it the tight. Oh, hey now. No one cares. Okay, first up, our Illinois governor. After years of neglect, Illinois is finally getting its mojo back. Today, J.B. Pritzker is doing what he always does. All together, everyone, you too, Ben, signing legislation. Uh, yeah, I saw this, yeah. Today, he's at UCAN, U-C-A-N, signing legislation that will eliminate driver's license suspensions as a penalty for non-moving violations. For those wondering, you can, UCAN is in Chicago. So once again, to our downstate, not a city listeners, no, you did not see J.B. Pritzker at your local Wendy's just now. <laughs> Wasn't him. It's just some other well-dressed portly fella enjoying a delicious baked potato, all right? <laughs> Sorry. A little advertisement for Wendy's there, huh? <laughs> I, I thought you were a Popeye's man. I'll take it all, buddy, okay. all right? And he loves Arby's, ladies and gentlemen. Every <laughs> time we go by the Arby's downtown, God, God, I gotta stop in that Arby's. It's so good. <laughs> I actually do say that. All right, big day on Sunday statewide. We haven't discussed this in a while, Ben. Time for a little update here. On Sunday, Democratic state senators who hold the majority ah. will gather in Springfield to decide who will be their next president. I know, during football playoffs. What? That's crazy. I know, man. Remember, everyone, it was late last year when Democratic Senate President John Cullerton announced that he would be retiring in 2020. A handful of qualified senators got in line and have been campaigning to replace him ever since. Honestly, can't remember how many and who all of them were. Doesn't matter because we're now down to two. Mm-hmm. After Senate, uh, Senator L.G. Sims officially dropping out of the race, it's now Don Harmon, the assistant majority leader from Oak Park, and Senator Kimberly, no, not Lightfoot, Light Ford, mm-hmm. Kimberly Light Ford, going one-on-one for Illinois Senate president. You know what? I think this is better than football, Ben. <laughs> Who are we going with, buddy? We going with Kim Lightford or are we going Don Harmon? Well, if you ask me, if I pretend I'm a state senator, I would vote for uh, Kimberly Lightford. Going Lightford? Yeah, Lightford. Even though I have this thing in my head, I keep wanting to call her uh, Lightfoot. But it's Lightford, okay? That dyslexia is firing up on all cylinders. Lightford, Lightfoot. Uh, but no, come on. Uh, we just had a, a white guy, Johnny Cullerton. Why don't we let a black woman be this uh, Senate president for once? Uh, you know, let's spread it around a little bit. Yeah, I'm for uh, Kimberly Lightford. And, uh, I, I don't know. 
realistically, uh, will this be more progressive legislation out of the Senate? We'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, Johnny Cullerton was not exactly a progressive, to put it mildly. He was sort of Rahm's uh, favorite state senator. His job, by and large, was to block progressive legislation that people in the city of Chicago wanted that Mayor Rahm didn't want. Um, that and the fact that, I'll tell you what, he could tell a joke. John Cullerton can tell a joke, all right? Oh, hey, so, uh, yeah, so if that is your chief qualification, he's your guy. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, we'll switch things in the state Senate and the Senate will no longer be the place where they just, you know, send uh, legislation to die. You know that old game they play, like Michael Madigan would allow legislation to pass the House, uh, like, let's say, the elected school board bill, and then it would die in the Senate. And everybody in Chicago would be like, what happened here? I thought... I thought we had this legislation passed. And then the next year they would try it again. And yep, one more time, die in the House. I mean, pass the House, die in the Senate. Yeah, that's how it goes in the state of Illinois. Progressives, you know, everybody wants to be a progressive, but when it comes to progressing progressive, not so progressive, if you follow what I'm saying. So maybe this will change in the state Senate. All right, so there you are. Ben's going with Lightford. We're going to have to wait until Sunday to know who the next Senate president will be. And we'll have to wait until Tuesday to talk about it. But Yes, and uh, I've been reading about the selection process. It's pretty interesting. I've never followed a Senate uh, president selection process, but, you know, they get to everybody gets to vote. Republicans get to vote, too. I don't know about that. Why do they get to vote? You know, they're the minority party. Oh, isn't that interesting when it comes to minority rights? Uh, Republicans are against them for, like, real minorities. But when they're in the minority party, hey, we got rights, too. Just pointing out that, that inconsistency with my uh, not-so-beloved Republican Party. Oh, and hey, to all of our uh, Illinois senators out there, I know you're all getting together on Sunday, your day off. No shady business, all right? No, no. You know, by the way, I just realized uh, with my track record, I probably was the, <laughs> the I sealed doom for Lightford by endorsing her candidacy. For well, person. I don't know. You you voted Lightfoot and she won. That is correct. You had I, a good record going. I lately. voted. I voted uh, <laughs> Lightfoot and she won, and then she promptly uh, flip flopped on that Tiff deal. But you know what, D? I'm going to be a positive. Okay. Yes, she flip flopped on Lincoln Yards. Yes, she killed the lawsuit that would have killed Lincoln Yards. But her planning commissioner Maurice Cox came into this. It must be this room, D. It must be something about this room with the sign on the wall and, you know, your presence sitting there. And it's like, oh, I feel my inner Ben Jarofsky. Because Lori Lightfoot, when she was in, when when uh, when she was in here, she was like talking like me, too. So it must be something about this room. Something. Yeah. Then, of course, they leave the room and oh, thank God I'm done with that room. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if uh, Maurice Cox uh, is uh you know, as a progressive outside of this room as he is in this room. But seriously, senators, don't go placing your bets on who's going to win, Lightford or Don Harmon. No shady business. And speaking of shady business, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woe Man Spielman. Embattled Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan's hand-picked alderman was accused Thursday of engaging in, quote, prohibited political activity by putting his name and Madigan's on a graffiti blaster bought in 2013 with taxpayer money. Yes, this is an update on that damn dirty corruption in Illinois. Mm -hmm. Marty Quinn. Inspector General Joe Ferguson's quarterly report does not identify Alderman Marty Quinn. Ben, of what ward? Third. Come on! One, three. That's correct. Thank you. 
Our host, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he knows the city council, all right? <laughs> Inspector General Joe Ferguson's quarterly report does not identify Alderman Marty Quinn as the alderman who used city equipment to promote himself and his political patron and used a photo of the equipment in a political ad featuring himself mm-hmm. and his state representative. It simply accused, quote, an alderman of playing politics with city equipment and of knowingly allowing, quote, a non-city employee to use the city-owned graffiti blaster throughout the state throughout the state representative's district, which extends outside the city limits. Ben, what the hell or would I just read here? <sighs> Am I outraged about this? Um, all right, so folks, you get graffiti blasters going throughout the uh, 13th Ward on the far southwest side of Chicago, and it has Madigan's name on it. It has uh, Alderman Marty Quinn's name on it. So effectively, they're using a public thing, a graffiti blaster, to promote a private politician an alderman a state rep is that right no and oh okay it's not right it's not pointing that way. <laughs> uh i just say uh, i don't know the things that people get outraged uh, in the city of chicago but i just got finished talking about how you had this program an anti-poverty program that's intended for the poorest neighborhoods of all and the city council's passed a 1.3 billion that's billion with a b handout to some upscale developers to de- to develop a neighborhood that doesn't need development and everybody's like oh well seems good to me we call it economic development but the reformers in chicago are outraged shocked and outraged that michael madigan and marty quinn put their names on a graffiti blaster i would say that reformers in the city of chicago will do absolutely anything to avoid the essential corruption in this city which is like the rich take money that's supposed to go to the poor. That's just me thinking about it. But I'm, oh no, I'm going to join their bandwagon. I'm outraged. Tell you that Marty Quinn put his name on a graffiti blaster. I, but I'm, I'm more outraged that Marty Quinn put his vote on that TIF deal. How about that, D? Take so, a chill pill, man. Oh, sorry, chill man. out, dude. Hold on. Oh, it's legal now, D. <laughs> so, no, am I outraged, you know? And by the way, it's funny how they just keep going. Marty Quinn, Madigan's handpicked older man. You know, like, they just like Madigan. They, they just want to put Madigan's name. You talk about Madigan putting his name on a graffiti blaster. Everybody wants to put Madigan's name on any story. Madigan's handpicked older man. Well, the voters of the 13th Ward have elected him, I think, Two times, D? I think it was the last election was this overwhelming victory. Uh, he beat the kid. What was the kid's name, D? You remember that? Oh, my goodness. I'm not Come on, you up. can do it. I can't remember. I don't even have to look it up because I remember. Oh. The old guy with the memory. All right. right. All right. David Krupa, was it? K-R-U-P-A? Yeah, that was it. That was Maybe it's the guy who was like, he loved Trump, correct. the Trump supporter. I'm supposed to be outraged by the Trump supporter. Anyway, Marty Quinn uh, went overboard to try to uh, get Krupa off the ballot. And uh, he prevailed. He was on the ballot, and then Marty uh, mopped the floor with him anyway. So I I got this thing, but can I just continue since I'm on a really on a roll here? Thank you. Um, Who is this host? (laughs) When I'm driving down Ashland in the rare moments, well, not that rare. uh, I try to, you know, D likes to drive the car home, so I try to drive every now and then. Uh, I go past these uh, horses. Isn't that what they're called, D? The old horses, you know, not the, like the animal. No, not like the kind of horse that JB Pritzker puts on a farm. Okay. But the ho- wooden horses. I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> and they still say uh, they're horses. You know, the wooden horses that you put in the street to block traffic. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they call horses. I don't, I don't know. 
Come on, man. You're from Alton. You should know this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's still set. I know about actual horses. <laughs> uh, the man loves horses, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Have you ever ridden a horse? Yes. I, I, I've tried it a couple times. I'm not feeling a horse. You know, it's always, I don't know, something weird about going up and down. Anyway, uh, it still says, um, a courtesy of First Ward Alderman Flores. Uh, Manny Flores hasn't been the alderman of the First Ward since I want to say... 2011 don't quote me on that i'm not uh, okay uh and uh for 10 trivia points who replaced him as alderman of the first ward mm -hmm. yeah joe moreno very good <laughs> whoa it's some of this stuff is wearing <laughs> off on you anyway it's still you see these horses you know uh property or courtesy of and i remember terry gabinski in the 32nd ward had his horses you still see some of those floating around where was the outrage about that huh when manny flores put his name on a horse so no listen someone, someone probably just tuned in floating horses what the all right so listen reformers in the city of chicago all you do-gooders on the lakefront who uh, love pete Buttigieg and amy klobuchar so much i'll join your crusade against uh mike madigan putting his name in a graffiti blaster when you once just once join my crusade against doling out billions of dollars uh to high price developers huh what's that you say uh lakefront reformers eh. Yeah, you're too outraged about the graffiti blaster. Moving on, as for our Chicago mayor today, Lori Lightfoot is at the Marriott Marquis for Chicago's annual interfaith breakfast in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, uh, once a year, uh, Chicagoans decide they believe in peace and love and harmony uh, and integration. Once a year, D. Uh, not even like oh, in the beginning it, of the year. Uh, it's the beginning of the year. And it's like an hour. Then whoosh, as soon as that's over, uh, we're back to fighting and gouging each other's eyes out. Yeah, rumor has it she tried talking them into making this a little more productive <laughs> by pushing it up a few hours and having them a good old-fashioned luncheon. But the Marriott simply didn't get it. She loves luncheons, everybody. <laughs> Don't they understand? The mayor loves luncheons. You watch. This being Chicago next year, uh, we're going to have a Martin Luther King luncheon. No, they do it early. It's like all the movers and shakers. They get it done early. You know, They want to get all that brotherhood out of the way early. So, you know, I got that done with. Now I got the rest of the day to just gouge everybody's eyeballs out. So anyway, Chicago right. so that's, brotherhood. That's the news. Of course, we'll keep you posted on those stories as today's program rolls along. We've got a little more time until our guest, Ramana Hussein, joins us for another Ramana Rundown. What are you going to be talking about with Ramana? Ben? Well, we're going to go through uh, some, some of the stories in the, in the Chicago Sun-Times. This uh, IPRA investigator revealed info and police shooting story. It's, every time I thought I've, I've reached the end of uh, Chicago scams, there's a new one that emerges. This one is... Quite enlightening, man. I'll tell you what. You know what? Once a year for an hour, the movers and shakers of Chicago get together to preach brotherhood. Then when that hour's up, they go back to doing what they're doing, what they usually do, which includes coming up with scams to screw people. Uh, this is an interesting new one. I hadn't thought of this one before. And, of course, we're going to talk uh, Oscars. Somehow or other, uh, the Oscars managed to uh, nominate five directors, not one of whom is a woman. That's oh, interesting. you've been ranting and raving about this one all week, Ben. <laughs> we're going to be talking about this next week as well, a whole oh special God. bonus. Uh, and uh, Sergio Mims, I'm, I have so many outrages about the Oscars. As what a downstate guy, I don't get the Oscars.
We don't watch it downstate. Oh, I'm sure there's people that watch it downstate. We, first of all, you don't even live downstate anymore. Well, I can't, you one. know, I can't adjust. I don't know. I just can't get into the Oscars. I don't know Number why. two, you claim to be so knowledgeable about downstate, but we did our survey, and our survey proved that Bruce Springsteen is far more popular than Jimmy Buffett is downstate. The survey showed. Number uh, two. We didn't do that. <laughs> And uh, no, but you may be right about the Oscars. I, nobody watches them upstate either. So you, <laughs> I'm pretty much the only I mean, like guy. when I moved up here, there are like people having parties, like get togethers, all about the Oscars. That's. Yeah, I never have a party. I just watch the Oscars. I've been watching the Oscars since the 60s. All right, let's go to the YouTube live stream chat before we take a break here. Uh, shout out to everyone who has weighed in here. Looks like the gang's all here. We got Brianna here, Steven's here, and we got that. <laughs> Right wing feller that's been weighing in lately. He's there. KMA Barry's here. Ben, what's KMA stand for again? I can't remember. I'm not allowed to say. He won't let me swear. Kiss my beep. <laughs> that's what that stands for, guys. All right, so let's read your comments here. Uh, let's see. Kyle weighed in. He says, as a Chicago voter, I only get outraged about ketchup on hot dogs. <laughs> Anything else that seems outrageous, I choose to ignore because I'm vegging out in front of a TV. <laughs> That sounds like a typical Chicago voter. Speaking of TVs, Barry weighed in. Barry, haven't seen you in a while. Welcome back. Uh, he says here, uh, just had time to check what's happening. Dr. Doobie, my wife... <laughs> my name's Dennis. <laughs> Dr. Doobie, my wife made me fix her phone so with the one click she can cast our podcast on his 50-inch Samsung television. You guys looked good life-size. What can We're I on this say? guy's 50-inch television. Man, what can I say? Oh, our right-wing friend weighed in. Trump already won 2020. That's a... <laughs> you know what's funny when people... They go, Ben, I'm going to make a prediction. Jeff Johnson said this yesterday. Ben, I'm going to make a prediction. Uh, Donald Trump's going to be like, they're going out on a limb, you know? I mean, uh, in, in the last uh, 40 years, only one incumbent president has been defeated. So it's kind of like a safe bet to bet on Donnie Trump right now. Okay. So. And finally, we'll read Steven's comment. He's a devotee to the Ben Jarofsky show, and this comment proves it because he knows our host, Ben Jarofsky. Earlier, you announced uh, you just knew the ward uh, Marty Quinn was for, 13th ward. Steven weighs in and goes, yeah, but where did he go to high school? <laughs> Good one. Good one. Um, uh, Marty Quinn, I used to know this. I should know. I, I want to say Brother Rice. But, Frank! Uh, <laughs> Frank, if you're listening, look that up. Uh, I'm going to go with Brother Rice. Mm -hmm. All right, Could we'll be St. Rita, though. Oh. One of the others, a Catholic, uh, Catholic school in the Southwest. Listeners, if you're tuning out now, you're crazy, <laughs> all right? Romano Rundown coming up. I know where Romano went to high school. Also, we're going to find out where Marty Quinn went to high school. Don't go anywhere, people. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. 
Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options. Options.com. One more time. Chicago Land Cremation Options.com. Right now at Chicago.SunTimes.com, it's this week's Fran Spielman show. Ben, you were just talking about the fellow. His name's Maurice Cox. Maurice Cox was the guest of Fran Spielman this week. He's, uh, what's his title? The planning commissioner of the city of Chicago, and I found myself agreeing with what he said. Right on, Maurice Cox. Here's a little clip of uh, Maurice on the Fran Spielman show. You're talking about a massive rewrite of the zoning code. No, um, no. I'm talking about convening a conversation with Chicagoans about the wide cross-section of things that go into making up uh, the quality of life. That's transportation, that's the role of our parks, um, that's uh, housing, what type of housing we want. the, the sum total of all of those uh, is what I'm talking about. You can't isolate one item uh, because they're all interconnected. He's a smart guy. It's Maurice Cox, this week's guest on the Fran Spielman Show, available at chicagosuntimes.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Romana Hussein with me every Friday, Romana Rundown. And uh, let's, this story was just really grim and depressing, uh, Romana. Hours after March for Peace, a shooting shakes St. Sabina's front page story in the uh, Sun-Times today. Uh, tell folks a little bit about it. Yeah, um, the story's very sad. Uh, this was a young man who was 23 years old. His name is Imoni uh, Toma, and he was only 23 when he was shot late Wednesday night. Um, there was a March for Peace at St. Sabina Church. As everyone knows, that's the church where Father Flager, a very outspoken priest, Roman Catholic priest who talks about violence a lot and uh, and just different things. He kind of weighs in on a lot of things. Um, anyway, uh, this young man was homeless and two years ago, he showed up at the church um, seeing if he could, um, you know, just kind of if they could help in some way, you know, with his life. You know, he had a few misdemeanor arrests and, you know, he was waiting to get his record like cleared out or already happened or those charges were dropped or never really kind of, you know, he was just someone that was a little lost. And he ended up working in the mentoring program at the church and lived in the apartment. I think he scraped enough money to and did like different jobs. But he told people at the church he wanted a career, not a lot of odd jobs. So he seemed to be heading in the right direction. Anyway, he was shot in the parking lot Wednesday night and uh, died in the back seat of a car of I, I think of a person that drove by a motorist that drove by so it's a pretty sad story yes yeah, just, just just it, you know it's like one of those stories that you it's tragic when anybody dies you know but we hear about the story this guy seemed to be heading in the right direction had a lot going for him and you hear about and he's only 23 mm-hmm. you know barely lived his life it's a guy from Hyde Park High School, and his dream was to become a welder. So it's a very sad story. Um, we were doing follow-up on it. We had the story yesterday, just to let you know, and I don't think we had that much on it. And then, you know, we just thought it was an important story to tell and probably knew there was more background. So we tried to look for more. I know the reporters who worked on it looked for more family members. or They didn't talk to family members, but they talked to people that knew this guy. So Has anybody been arrested? 
nobody's been arrested as far as we know. Yeah, well, the, um, on top of everything else, the part that uh, gets me is it was considered neutral ground. Yeah, it's neutral a, ground. The church and uh, Father Flager. I've uh, disagreed with Father Flager on issues from time to time, but uh, I, I have to commend him for just being very consistent uh, on the issue of taking guns out of the uh, out of uh, yes, he's the city of Chicago and uh, the need uh, to stop the senseless violence and to be shot outside the church. It's like, it's no place safe. And then there was just another story in the sometimes not to just yep. dwell on the gloom and doom, but of, of a shooting at a barbershop. East Garfield Park barbershop. In fact, I was talking to, we're waiting for a story. I was talking to the reporter that was working on that story, a follow-up, Mitch Dudek. So the shooting happened. Five people were injured, mm-hmm. including kids. And uh, he talked to the owner of the, uh, of the barbershop. And he also talked to a woman who was a stylist at the shop. The story's not in yet, but she had left her um, apron on her chair, you know, the chair where she usually cuts people's hairs. And there was a bullet hole when she went mm. back in today. And so she talked to a reporter. So it was just, I don't think there's any arrests in that shooting, but that's obviously an ongoing in- investigation. But you hear stories like that. And, you know, people always say that, you know, they're a little... S- worried when the summer comes by you know cops always tell you that because you know summers where you know they say like more shootings happen but Mm -hmm. apparently you know it still happens when when it's cold weather outside and it's just um a sad story all in all and so we'll be hearing a little i mean i'm sure we're pursuing we have our reporters checking up on both those cases to see if police have any leads as to you know, who could have done both of these shootings. And then there's some articles about uh, murders and investigations that uh, uh, some stories that just uh, never seem to end. And this one is uh, an article that the yeah. Times had appeals court defamation suit stemming from Alstory's Simon case should proceed. Very complicated story. Try to break it down. Yeah, I'll bit. try to break it down. Um, this is a story that I'm actually f- pretty familiar with because when I started off as a reporter, the Anthony Porter case happened this is a man that was accused of killing two or he was convicted of killing two people jerry hill jerry hillard and marilyn green in 1982 um when i was a young reporter working at city hall um the charges were dropped against him because at the time uh david protest who worked protest who worked for northwestern university he was a big rock star at that time because he worked in a lot of wrongful conviction cases not literally a rock star no yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah. sorry (laughs) (laughs) anyway um he basically said that he had videotaped a man confessing to the murder and the murders and that man was alstory simon so alstory simon ends up being convicted he ends up pleading guilty to the murders but Anthony Porter gets released from um, jail, prison, and then Alstory Simon goes to prison, got sentenced to 37 years. He ended up pleading guilty to the murders. Then it turns out um, that, you know, state's, then state's attorney Anita Alvarez um, did a whole reinvestigation on the case, and it turns out that David Protest and he had, David Protest and the students had worked with a private investigator named Paul Cialino. I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, anyway, he's the one that um, put out this lawsuit, and he's suing Alstory Simon and nine, eight others or nine others, um, saying that you know he, that you know Alstory Simon defamed them. Because what happened was Anita Alvarez looked in this case and said that Northwestern students at David protests used aggressive tactics in getting Alstory or unethical and um, tactics to get Alstory Simon to talk about his quote unquote confessions. And Anita Alvarez ended up in this one 2014 Alstory Simon gets released 
from prison. And Anita Alvarez said that it was Anthony Porter who actually committed these crimes, but they can't, you know, retry him because of double jeopardy. That's what Anita Alvarez said. So anyway, Paul Cialino files this lawsuit. It was dropped and then he appeals to the appellate court and the appellate court said that it should be remanded remanded to the county courts system. Mm-hmm. So this this lawsuit is still pending now. So I do I was at 26 and Cal when these um when the Northwestern University's case was up before a judge and David Protest, you know, had 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 come to the court hearings and they talked about, you know, the different tactics that you know the Northwestern students had used. And I think somebody was paid for an interview if I'm not if I'm remembering my record I could be wrong, but I'm trying I don't know if you remember, but I there was I don't remember, yeah. I just remember that there was like ta- and I remember the students we tried to, I, I remember reaching out to David Protest at the time because you know there'd be these court hearings and every time there'd be these court hearings it would be more and more you know of a newsworthy story. And uh David Protest ended up leaving Northwestern. I don't I'm sure you know that. Mm-hmm. And he has his, I think he has an independent wrongful conviction organization that he works for, or at least he did up until then. So I remember the case and just, there were so many pieces in this puzzle. So Paul Cialino was this and private investigator who's now suing. So it's just, it's just keeps going. Yeah, and so no. like, it's almost been, it's been 20 years since 99, since Anthony Porter. And that's when I started, I was pretty much uh, like I had been in the business for about two and a half years. And I remember when it happened and I think the Chicago Tribune might have broken the case, if I remember correctly. But I could be wrong because I remember I was working at City Hall and there's other reporters that were working on it at the time because it was a big deal. And well, so th- this is a common story uh, in Cook County and Chicago. Uh, Romana, you know this because you, you covered the criminal courts building. Uh, wrongful convictions yes and wrongful convictions that are bred out of all sorts of abuses either just outright torture Mm -hmm. of of defendants or uh, to get them to confess the things they didn't do or uh shoddy investigations Mm um lack of detectives so that they the investigations don't have the the manpower they need uh, to be fully uh you know, can be completed. I mean, it just, it, it, there's a long series of them. And it, this goes back even further. 1982 was when the murders yeah. happened, uh, which is, so it's almost 40 years of this case being in the public's eye. And do you have a sense in, of like who actually committed the murders? Do you personally have well, a sense? Well, I of- don't know. I, I just remember, I just, you know, it's so hard to tell at this point, you know, like what exactly happened? Who's telling the truth? You know, and, you know, obviously when somebody is released from prison, you know, there's a lot of accolades and, you know, I think as someone who's covered a lot of these wrongful conviction cases, and especially when it it comes to police torture, those are just so mind boggling, like how that happened. And the John Burge era was around that time. So, you know, the early 80s, I believe Mm -hmm. so. So, you know, we still have, it's not this case, but there's a lot of other cases that are still pending that, you know, were that old or just a little maybe a little less old but you know there are some cases i always tell people just because someone's wrongfully convicted it doesn't mean they didn't do it you know that's what i and i'm not i'll explain that well because if you're forced to confess Mm -hmm. by using you know by illegally beating someone is that really you know that doesn't mean the person didn't do it but they're forced to confess. You're using tor- you're torturing them to confess, and it needs to be done in a proper way. I mean, there's definitely cases like that where you listen to the story. There was one case where there was a man who was wrongfully convicted in a 
pretty brutal rape and murder of a woman. And it was sort of a, I, from what I remember, it was, a, I believe, it was a gang rape. And he was, he, the charges were dropped in his case, but he was never exonerated. So there's a difference between wrongfully convicted and exonerated. When you're exonerated, you can actually ask the state to reimburse you or get money back when you're not exonerated. So some judge, judges don't technically, I think it's, I think it's a certificate of innocence. That's what I want to say. I shouldn't say exonerated, but I think they could be interchangeable. But they, a lot of people seek a certificate of innocence. If they don't have the certificate of innocence, they can't. So I remember in that rape case, the judge told he wanted a certificate of innocence or ex- an exoneration. And the judge said, you were in that house, in the room. Don't tell me that you weren't part of this rape. And he just didn't believe it. And when you listen to the facts of the case, I can say now it's like it's highly unlikely that this guy was in his room while his friends were raping this woman. Yeah. So, you know, and it's just like the the way this woman was tortured and beaten. I, I, I saw, you know, I think a lot of people, if they saw that case, they would probably agree with the judge. So I'm just saying just because someone's wrongfully convicted doesn't mean that they didn't commit uh, the crime. That's uh, what I'm trying to say. But yeah. there are a lot of cases. I mean, I've been, I sat through a lot of hearings or wrongful conviction hearings or can, you know, hearings where the charges were dropped and you're just like, how did this person get caught in this? And, you know, a lot of these men are really young. Mm-hmm. So when you're interrogating someone at 17, 18, 19 years of age, they keep asking him all these questions and they eventually break. Yeah. So, and then they end up going to prison and, and there are cases where you're just like, there's no way that guy did it. Yeah. Just like listening to evidence. And DNA evidence has changed that in many ways too. Because well, our, our DNA evidence or DNA testing wasn't that sophisticated mm-hmm. in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then there's this story in the paper, which I don't know if you had a chance to read, but it's it's sort of related. Where um, <laughs> This uh, investor, investigator for the city has been charged. Uh, essentially, uh, Romana, this is just so Chicago. When I read this story today, I read it in both newspapers, uh, France Billman and Sam Charles in the uh, Sun-Times and Tribune also had it as well, as well as some investigator for the city who uh, works in the, in the department that investigates uh, uh, police co- misconduct uh, allegations. The Independent Police Review Authority, the old it's, it's no longer in existence, but whatever, uh, was accused of taking the names of people who've filed reports and sending them over to lawyers, private lawyers with the numbers so that they could, the private lawyers could contact them. And, you know, I'm like, I've, I pretty watch all the, the sleep. We'll get into movies, but I'm a big fan of, of like novels about sleazy, you know, uh, cops and investigators <laughs> and lawyers and movies about them and corruption. But I'm like, this one's trying to this be one, nice. God, dang. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes reality is like, I didn't even think of that. Were they trying to be the nice guy? Was uh, The question is, was he trying to sway them towards his friends? I like, think that's you know, what it was. Yeah, I don't so, think there was anything nice about this. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is like, oh, hey, I have some friends who might be able to help yeah. you. But no, that's what he, he, did he think he was being a, helpful? I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, just I just the think, allegation. I would think that you would know that it is as someone on the on that if they were on the ipra board or the ipra he was an investigator investigator for, yeah. yeah you would think that as an investigator you kind of stay out of that you didn't do, do your job you don't give 
people advice. Yeah, no, I don't call. think he was giving. <laughs> no, the no, advice. I know he was just he was giving just him literally numbers. passing the number to the lawyer. Uh, so you <laughs> no, know, well, I mean, he's yeah. kind of giving it advice to the lawyers or business to the lawyers. Yeah, uh, but it's like, oh my goodness, my my city is <laughs> Chicago. When just when you think it's not going to get any lower. All right, uh, let's let's transition from these uh, horrific stories. We'll move eventually get uh, to uh, horrific in another way, the Oscars. Uh, but uh, Beach Bummer, man, first of all, another great Sun Times headline Beach Bummer. Yeah. Uh, the, the lakefront is eroding. Somehow yeah. or other, I think it's connected to global, uh, global climate change. Warming. Yeah, global warming. But uh, uh, anyway, we have no more beaches in the city of Chicago. Well, anymore. two beaches actually in the neighborhood I live in, Rogers Park. So I live right, we live right on the lake. I don't know if I should give my address don't. in case I have any stalkers. Don't. I don't think I, But anyway, uh, we live by one of the beaches. And so last uh, weekend, the storm was pretty... You know what? It actually didn't seem that bad as someone from Chicago when you're inland. But when you're looking out the window at the lake, it was like the waves were high. They weren't as high as you know the National Weather Service had said. But this is where we are. I'm sure downtown they could have been higher. Mm-hmm. But you could definitely tell the, see the water coming in pretty pretty close to us and so it turns out that two beaches near us rogers and howard um, beach they no longer exist and the city it's going to take them because of this weekend storm that we had and it's gonna i think they said it's gonna take a couple years for them Mm. to redo these beaches so they're just gonna be a bunch of rocks and i actually run along the beach but i don't run around along the whole beach but i go all the way to evanston and then i come back to make like a six mile run sometimes so i definitely pass by those areas not necessarily run on the sand but i pass by them so the last two i usually run on friday mornings before i come in and i didn't run for the last two weeks Mm. for the last actually i ran last friday but i didn't run on sunday or friday so i haven't seen the damage but mick my husband has and he's he picked up a pair of glasses and a princess leia action figure <laughs> from his walk last week and um he's like do you want these glasses i'm like oh i don't even wear glasses regularly and i don't like those glasses and yeah. so i and his princess leia action figures on his bus- book stand right now uh and <laughs> uh, probably more details than mick wanted shared but uh, <laughs> so, uh anyway hey oh he's well, lots of romana rundown hey, without a why would be throwing in the bus he loves star wars so I'm, he and he loves star, princess leia so i mean i'm just saying just, by the way miles loves star wars as well i don't know if you know i like that. star wars but i'm not that in, in love with it he's told me he said he's gonna make me watch the prequels and i'm like i don't want to oh do my that. god that's wow uh that's more than i could deal with <laughs> uh no i um uh, no, one of the things I'm very envious of when I go uh, visit uh, Mick and Romana uh, is how cool it was. I ride my bike over there and I'll be looking out at that beach that's right there. It's This is Chicago. I'm like, Rogers Park, man, what a cool place. And now uh, it is a beach bummer. Uh, yeah, so that is sad. You know, there's a lot of people that come out to Rogers Park and, you know, have various picnics. And, you know, when I'm running sometimes in the summer, you see like everyone and yeah. it's like, a multicultural group like you know you know barbecuing you know one pe- one group is barbecuing like jamaican food the other group is barbecuing indian food and then you know other people are stereotypical americans eating hot dogs but yeah. i'm just saying it's it's really cool to see so it's like less activity well we uh we were, before you got in here we were talking about uh martin luther king day uh the the annual uh, uh 
breakfast with the movers and shakers have in Chicago, where once a year for about an hour, they get together and dedicate uh, at least an hour to brotherhood, peace and love. And then as soon as it's over, they go back to being <laughs> Jerks. You know, at each other's throats. <laughs> but at Rogers Park, anyway, it's like the one neighborhood in the city where they actually like at least share a beach spot together. You get yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, it is cool. Um, all right. Now, let's get to the Oscars. You and I have been dying to talk. Uh. I bumped into uh, Romana in the hallway on Tuesday. I think it, I forget when it was. And we I, were both ranting and railing about it. I thought it was you texting. Oh, texting. I, I, I woke up to alerts about the Joker getting 11 nominations when I woke up on Monday. And yeah. I was like, oh. All right. Now, I mean, not to say that I, I do want to see the Joker. I have not seen it. I should tell everyone I have not seen it right. just because I remember the reviews not being super favorable and people say it was saying it was excessive. But I do like Joaquin Phoenix and I, I, I I'm a, you know, he's a great actor and I'm sure he did a great job. And that's what people said was the best thing about the movie, that he did such a good job. So, you know, I'm not going to take away anything from him, but. I just think a lot of other movies got shut All right, out. Let me, let and and it was interesting. I don't know if you, and you know, obviously the complaint is that people, a lot of people of color and a lot of women and women of color were totally shut out. All right, let's let's get right at it. First of all, I have seen Joker, all right? And jo- Joaquin Phoenix definitely deserves to be nominated and that's it. You don't think it's he a one tr- deserves no. the win? No, no, no. Got- the rest of the movie is a one trick pony. Okay, so the rest of the movie, I know all our Joker fans out there are really outraged, including one Dr. Hey, D over here who loves I love Joker. That movie. Okay, I'm sure it was good. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a, but it's basically a one trick pony. I can name five movies that are more deserving of being nominated that didn't get nominated, with the farewell being at the top of the list. All right, so do you, Romana, mm-hmm. believe that the Academy Awards has a bias against women? Yes. <laughs> and people of color. I mean, I don't know if it's a bias, but it's like, oh, I can only watch movies that I can relate to. You know, I don't know. I feel like how old are those people who are on the Academy? Like, who are these people? Like with the Golden Globe, um, we know it's a Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And I heard that's a sham, too. It's just random people. Like, it's really easy to get on this group. You don't even have to be a movie critic to get on this group. But the Academy is like some secret. I think they did do um, a breakdown of who the Academy um, who the Academy is. And it is mostly white males, from what I understand. And you know the guy who made this movie, Todd Phillips? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't com- know him, but I know who he is. Yeah. yeah, but he's complained about how he can't do comedies anymore because he did The Hangover. Mm-hmm. And he's like, everybody's too woke now and you know everybody's so sensitive. And I'm like, you can still make movies, but I mean, what do you want to be, racist and sexist? I think that's what some people want. And a did lot of people- Did he say this or tweet it? No, he said this in an interview. Okay, He's like, right. I can't make comedies anymore because I, everybody's offended. And, you know, for the longest time. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. No, like, but you can I'm make just comedies saying, without offending No, but people. there's so many movies that you look back now and they're problematic for women. Even a lot of teenage movies that I saw, Sixteen Candles, Molly Ringwald wrote about this. And she's like, you know, I was in these movies. I love them. And but they're they have some issues, like especially when it comes to men writing mm-hmm. female characters. It's terrible. Yeah. You know, they objectify women. They have no lines in movies. And I just feel like Joker, a lot of people were, you know, the commentary about Joker was just an angry white male. Let's try to understand the angry white male. So I feel like the Academy is like, yeah, you know what I mean? But it's, you know, like, oh, you know, this is a revenge of the angry white male. But I just feel like, you know, there's, and I'm not one of those people that's just going to like a movie because it was made by an Indian person since I'm Indian. But no, I mean, I'll tell you if I think a movie is not well made 
if it's made by like a woman of color and especially if they belong to you know my group but i thought the farewell was excellent and it was not made by an indian woman so just for no the record, yeah. it was an asian woman but not it was an east asian woman and and then uncut gems which i heard i haven't seen that one yet but that's, that's probably so gonna, good <laughs> and everybody said adam sandler and he's like a jewish man he got robbed he got robbed and absolutely then, robbed I like Dolomite is my name. I didn't think it was my favorite movie, but everybody felt robbed. like Eddie Murphy got robbed. Sorry, so, he you know, got robbed. And they, those were those are all, I mean, I didn't see Uncut Gems, but I can't speak for it, but everybody who told me who watched it, my siblings watched it. They said it was really good. Um, it's just, how could you shut all of those movies out? And then Little Women, which I saw. Me and my friend at, in the Sun-Times, I won't say who, we were talking about how we think Greta Gerwig as a person sounds seems like an annoying hipster. But anyway, but we still think that she got robbed. She totally got robbed. So as a director. <laughs> as director. You know, that movie did get some um, accolades. And then a lot of people feel like Jennifer Lopez. I thought Hustlers was good. I didn't think it was like excellent. But a lot of people felt like Jennifer Lopez got shut out also. And Lupita Ningoyo, I think I'm pronouncing her name right. She was in Us. A oh lot my of God, people, Us was this year? Yes. And a lot of people are like, okay, so she was overlooked. And Scarlett Johansson, who I think is a very great actress, but says problematic things all the time. Uh, she was nominated for both actress and supporting actress. Mm-hmm. So you're ignoring all those actresses of color. The one actress of color who was nominated was the British actress who played Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people of color were pointed out is like whenever a black person gets nominated or gets an Oscar, it's when they're playing a slave or a hooker or, you know, some corrupt person. Or a crooked you know I mean? cop. Yeah, a crooked Dick Denzel Washington. Very like good he for knowing that. He didn't win in glory. I, I think yes, did he, he did. He did win for he glory? He shouldn't have won in glory, in my humble opinion. But I thought he didn't win for glory. Danny Aieo should have won. Here's where the white guy got screwed. <laughs> Danny Aieo. Well, that rarely happens, so it's fine. That's <laughs> He's going, oh, throw poor Danny Aieo <laughs> under a bus. But, uh, did you ever see um, Do the Right Thing? Yes. Danny Aieo was freaking awesome at Do the Right Thing. But I remember when I told you when I saw that, I was like, hey, that's the dad from Papa Don't Preach. <laughs> the Madonna video. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what we, that was oh a reaction to Generation X. Yeah. We watch that. I always see, yeah, we got to remember, uh, Romana is a, a two generations down from me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the one silver lining I guess at the Oscars with a parasite that one of my favorite movies of the years did get some nominations, but somebody did point out that in parasite, you know, they get all, it got all these uh, nominations, but none of the actors in the movie got any. Yeah. Love. And, uh, and that's interesting. And someone said that's, that's what happened to crouching tiger hidden dragon. Like, you know, they gave, they got a lot of awards, but none of the actors were given any, you know, why is it because, think, why do you think it's because, oh, because, oh, look at a bunch of foreigners. Why are we going to give it to them? We only give it to people who look like that or when it comes to a foreign film. They I, won't give it to someone not speaking English. Yeah. Although uh, uh, Antonio Banderas yeah. was nominated this year. But that was Pride and Glory, and that was made by Pedro Almovadar, who's a Spanish director. Yeah, but they still uh, speaking a foreign language, so it gets thrown. Yeah, out. but um, why? But and then and the and the other thing that made a lot of people annoyed is that Issa Rae, who was on the show Insecure, and John Cho, who was in Harold Kumar, um, 
they were the ones announcing, making the announcement. They had two people of color making the announcements of the Oscar nominees. And I think they, while they were reading all these names, kind of knew what was happening. So Issa Rae, I don't know if you read, well, she's not, she named all the best directors, the, all the white men, or I think it was mostly white men who were nominated for best directors. And she said, congratulations to all those men. Yeah. Maybe the director from Parasite was nominated for that too, but I'm not sure. But she just basically pointed out that they're all men and she probably felt like uh, a woman of color well, or a woman in general was ignored. I um, uh, we just want to promote uh, the, sh- the discussion we're going to have in a week. Sergio Mims, who probably knows more about movies than anybody in the city of Chicago, will be in studio. We're going to do a bonus, and Romana is going to join us. So she's going to ha- she has like two movies she still has to watch before she can do this. I have because you have to. Although you you, you can. Uncut Gems. I'll try to watch that this we, weekend. We didn't get nominated for anything. Yeah, Zero I know. But I, row, but I can still watch it and I complain about it. Yeah, right? complain about it. Because I, I feel like I like it. No, it's it's a great flick. And uh, The Sandman will get no love. Here's another bias. Because uh, uh, he's Jewish? Man. Because he's Jewish? Uh, no, comics. Oh. Comics don't uh, get any love. Eddie Murphy. Uh, Aquafina was also shut out. Aquafina, The Sandman, and uh, Eddie Murphy all shut out. And they all deserved nominations. And I'm sorry, Scarlett Johansson lovers out there, two, they should have just said, uh-uh, one or the other. And it probably shouldn't have been uh, Best Supporting Actor because I saw her uh, in Did she uh, marry JoJo. Story? No, you know, I got to see it. Sergio's making me see it. Yeah, you should watch it. I have to watch it. I'm not really, I'm not a big fan of the director and I have a whole thing about Netflix movies. Don't get me started. But you watched Irishman, which got a lot of love. I too. saw it on the big screen. Oh, okay. Uh, and the, but the contradiction that you could have nailed me on as a good cross-examination, but then you What watched, about Dolomite there is my you name. go. Uh, <laughs> I went over to my uh, friend's house who has the big TV uh, and uh, we watched it on his big TV. And I've since seen it twice. I loved it so much but um they don't they have this thing against comics it's really weird jim carrey uh, has always gotten screwed uh and when they even when a comic does a serious movie they get screwed the sandman got screwed and he robin did, williams did he ever win yes he, he did. did he, he did. won for Dead um, Poet society Whoa, very good. Or for, was it for Goodwill Hunting? Correct. Right? Uh, I, one or the other, uh, Robert <laughs> Mueller weighs in. Robert Mueller thinks he knows. I know. Candace Castillo, our next guest, will probably know the answer to that. She's a big movie buff. She's <laughs> shaking her head. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I know she agrees with me that Adam uh, Sandler deserved to be nominated for uh, Best Actor this year. She's nodding her head. Uh, um, even though I'm like ripping on the Oscars, I'm going to watch them. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> let's get that straight. I love awards I know, shows. I know. Yeah. I like watching to see what people wear. That's mostly what I watch. Do you watch the Grammys as well? Uh, you know, I used to as a kid and then the older I got, I felt like I don't listen to any of this music, most of it. I and don't it know just any of it. when I was younger, like in, in the coming of age in the eighties, it was awesome. Like Michael Jackson, you know, it was just it was just fun. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe I'm just too old. I, I do try to like see what people are wearing the next day, but I don't sit through it. For- I, I watch the Golden the Golden Globes and the Oscars are my main shows now that I award shows that I watch now. Definitely the Grammys are huge in our house. I don't know any of the music, but uh love the costumes and everything and all the glamour and the glitz and for ten trivia points before I let you go. The great Michael Jackson performance in the Grammys in 1985, I want to say, what song did he sing backed by a big choir? Ramana Hussein. Billy Jean? No negatory, <laughs> Kenneth. I'm looking at you. Do you know? Want me to sing it? 
<laughs> no, you don't. Man in the Mirror. Oh, no, 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 no. It can't be 85. Man in the Mirror came out like 90 or something. or no Late way. 80s. Or late 80s. Late 80s. It was not 85. Uh, it was well, not 85. Because I remember 80s. how old I was. Yeah. 87. Look at Candace Castillo knows her stuff. We're going to bring her on to talk about Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and impeachment, but she weighs in at 87. All right, could have been 87. And then we can complain about Stephen King next week. Oh my God, Stephen King. I love you, Stephen King, but stay off of Twitter. All right, I told you. Any person over the age of 60 should be prevented from well, being. Well, used a- to be 50. You changed, you went up. Did I? Yeah. Oh, all right, 50. <laughs> Make I? it 50. Then get Trump off to. All right, Romana, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. I got too. Candace Castillo on deck. Can't wait to bring her on. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind, but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. 